My object in writing this article is rather to call attention to less-known qualities of Mr. Wilde's genius, and to show my readers, if I can, that he is not the lackadaisical dandy they have always imagined him to be, but one of the best of contemporary critics and poets, with a style like polished agate, and a mind that combines most curiously extreme sensuousness with extreme virility of grasp and penetration. That he is a wit, nobody requires to be told, and even his enemies will not dispute him the title. Unfortunately for himself, he has pushed his wit very hard in his plays, and it becomes at times so obviously forced that one feels a momentary annoyance at him. These, however, are really rare moments, and when he means to be witty, he really is so, nine times out of ten. The conversations in the second act of The Woman of No Importance and the third act of Lady Windermere's Fan may have as little to do with the action of the drama as some of Congreve's scenes have, but we would be as loath to give up Mr. Wilde's wit as we would to give up Congreve's. To say that at a certain reception there were several royal academicians disguised as artists is decidedly clever, though perhaps not uniquely so. But the description of Robert Ellesmere as Matthew Arnold's literature and dogma without the literature is as good in its way as the question, what are American dry goods, and the answer, American novels. No one can be so politely rude as Mr. Wilde. No one can be so personal in so graceful a manner. Wilde was sitting at a table outside a cafe. He ordered two cocktails for G and myself. I was going to sit opposite to him in such a way as to turn my back to the passers-by, but Wilde noticed this movement, which he took as an impulse of absurd shame. He was not entirely mistaken, I must admit, and said, Oh, sit here, near me, pointing to a chair at his side. I am so much alone just now. Wilde was still well-dressed, but his hat was not so glossy. His collar was of the same shape, but it was not so clean, and the sleeves of his coat were slightly frayed at the edges. When I used to meet Rielin in days gone by, he continued, with an outburst of pride, I was never ashamed of being seen with him. I was rich, light-hearted, and covered with glory, but I felt that to be seen with him was an honour, even when Rielin was drunk. Then, fearing to bore G, I think, he suddenly changed his mood, tried to be witty, and to make jokes. In the effort he became gloomy. My recollections here are dreadfully sad. At last my friend and I got up. Wilde insisted on paying for the drinks, and I was about to say good-bye, when he took me aside, and with an air of great embarrassment, said, in the low voice, I say, I must tell you, I am absolutely without a penny. To Oscar Wilde, author of Ravenna, by Augustus M. Moore. No Marcius am I, who singing came to challenge King Apollo at a test, but a love-wearied singer at the best. The myrtle leaves are all that I can claim, while on thy brow there burns a crown of flame, 
Upon thy shield Italia's eagle crest. Content am I with lesbian leaves to rest. Guard thou thy laurels and thy mother's name. I buried love with the rose I meant to deck the fillet of thy muse's hair. I take this wild flower, grown against her feet, and kissing its half-open lips I swear, frail though it be and widowed of its scent, I plucked it for your sake and find it sweet. <laughs> 